Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor That's Nick. right. It's either that or a guest. Listen. That's all I can say. We are jacked up today. We, we've been, uh, we've probably been together a lot this week already. Uh, we're drinking coffee from Africa uh, at the moment. I'm actually sipping my... I hear the drums echoing tonight. Yeah. I bless the rains down in Africa. Is that that song? Yes, we do. Yeah. So uh, we are here. We're ready to go. Uh, we're excited. But we've got this thing looming over us, and it's called the three weeks of affliction. And so this is not to make you feel doom and it's gloom. It's to reflect upon in hindsight. It is. It is something to reflect upon. And so for those of you that don't know what the three weeks of affliction is, it is the three weeks between Tammuz 17, which is uh, the memorial of the golden calf incident, and the ninth of Av, or Tishbi Av, which is um, the morning or the memorial of the destruction of both temples. Um, happened on the same day, both times. Uh, also during that time, uh, we had the sin of the spies and some other things. Just some uh, some interesting stuff happened at this time. So what we want to say is this, this is a period of caution. This is a time where uh, you want to stay focused. You want to press into the Lord. You want to get into the Bible. Put your blinders on. Uh, don't get distracted. It's a, it's a time that's very easy to get distracted. Just know that the whole summer months, right? A lot of shenanigans went on during the summer months, right? You have the spring feasts in the spring. You have the fall feasts in the fall. Uh, and then we even have some fun stuff that goes on during the winter time. But these summer months, man, it's hot and people just get squirrely and, uh, and it just, you know, stuff happens. So, um, that's, you've been warned. It is the three weeks of affliction from Tamu 17, the golden calf incident to the ninth of Av, uh, which is the destruction of both temples and, uh, the three weeks in between, uh, it's, uh, it's not good. You know, it's, it's not good. So no, the summer months is a very important time for you to be really spiritual. Yeah. Well, because we have kind of built in spiritual stuff, like I said, in the spring and the fall, and we don't really during the summer. So it's important to, to keep it going. Um, all right. This week we are studying the Torah portion Masse, um, which is journeys and numbers 33, one through 36, 13, the end of the book of numbers. We are ending the book of numbers today, which is uh, an exciting time for us. Um, you know, normally other years you'll have Matot and Masai together as a double portion, uh, but this year we did have an Adar too in our calendar, and so what they do is they take those double portions and they split them up uh, so that we have a, a portion for each week of um, of the biblical year, the, the Hebrew calendar year. And so uh, I think we're going to start out by reading... Well, let's go ahead and just do a little review real quick oh, okay. as we yeah. close out the book of Numbers, just to remind all of you, uh, even Paul makes mention of these examples for us in some of his letters to the Church of Corinth. But once again, just food for thought here, think about it. Uh, we started out with 603,550 of one generation, and we ended with 601,730 of another generation. Very interesting. The numbers have decreased. There's a vetting process going on, everybody. That's why it's so important that uh, as, as, a, uh, as a person that's expressing your faith, it's important to be mature and responsible and to be among others as well. Three key words found in the book of Numbers, service, war, and wilderness. The book of Numbers is broken up into three parts, everybody. This is really cool. Uh, the first part is at Sinai, 
chapters 1 through 9. This is the preparation for the journey. This took place within a few weeks. Then, of course, part 2 is to Moab. This is actually from Numbers chapter 10 through Numbers chapter 21. And this is the journey. Now, we know that this took place around 39 years. So there's part 1, part 2. Part 3 is the most critical part. Uh, This is like the icing on the cake. It is at Moab, on the plains of Moab, uh, across from Jericho. Uh, There's the Jordan River. Uh, Numbers chapter 22 uh, through chapter 36. Once again, at Moab, at the gate to the land is the title here. And it took place within a few months. So we know that from uh, chapters 22 to 36, we're going to have some interesting things that are going to take place. Uh, We have, of course, the occult and sexual immorality coming into the camp just like it is in our culture today. The occult means hidden, and of course we see the sexual immorality that Balaam taught Balak what he can do to get God to curse Israel. Basically, Israel has to curse themselves. They have to make the mistake. They have to make those decisions. A curse does not come without a cause. This takes place within a few months. So just keep that in mind, everyone, as you uh, go throughout your day today, as you go throughout your life, it's important that you understand Uh, what is significant and what isn't, what's important and what isn't. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to begin reading uh, in Numbers chapter 33, verses 1 through 8. This is Israel's wilderness encampments introduction. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and read. It says, These are the journeys of the children of uh, Israel, which went forth out of the land of Egypt with their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. And Moses wrote their goings out according to their journeys, by the commandment of the Lord, and these are their journeys according to their goings out. And they departed from Ramesses in the first month of the fifteenth day of the first month. On the morrow after the Passover, the children of Israel went out with a high hand in the sight of all the Egyptians. For the Egyptians buried all their firstborn, which the Lord had smitten among them upon their gods. Also the Lord executed judgments. And the children of Israel removed from Ramesses and pitched in Sukkot, and they departed from Sukkot and pitched in Etham, which is in the edge of the wilderness. And they removed from Etham and turned again into Piha-Hiroth, which is before Baal-Ziphon, and they pitched before Migdal, uh, and they pitched before Migdal, and they departed from before Piha-Hiroth, and passed through the midst of the sea into the wilderness and went three ways or three days journey in the wilderness of Etham and pitched in Marah. So, how many places did the Israel camp or how many places did Israel camp at while they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years? You can find this in chapter 33 if you read the next uh, verses all the way to 49. And the answer, believe it or not, yes. is 42 places. So in 40 years, they camped 42 places. You know, looking at 42, 40 means testing. Uh, 42 is very interesting. In Revelation 11, 2, I want to read a reference of 42 months. It says here in Revelation 11, 2, but the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not for it is given unto the Gentiles and the holy city shall they tread underfoot 40 and two months. Revelation 11, 13.5. Let's check it out. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue to continue forty and two months. 
This is the two beasts. This is the beast. Uh, once again, you have the beast. You have the dragon. Uh, the false prophet. This is the false godhead. We're not going to get into all these prophecies, but uh, just something to think about is the simple fact that, you know, we have this seven years hanging over us to complete the 70 weeks uh, found in the book of Daniel, the prophecy. And of course, we have this one week um, left to be fulfilled, these seven years, and we don't really know when it starts or where it ends, but the bottom line is that it's coming. And uh, the prophecy is that he will, of course, midway through the seven years, break the covenant. That would give you 42 months. So something to think about as you look <laughs> at the uh, tribulation, a times, a times, a dividing of time. Yeah, interesting. So um, that's three and a half years, which is what? 42 months. So think about it. They had to camp out in 42 different places. When the cloud moved, they moved. Pillar of fire moved. They moved. You know, the, the cloud's moving at Beit Tehillah, folks. I'm telling you, the cloud is moving. Uh, since 2016, the last three years have been incredible for us. Uh, there are actually Orthodox Jews from Israel that are fascinated about us. Word is getting out that there are Christians with Torah. That's right, Ryan. CWTs are throughout uh, the world. And so Christians with Torah, now what are they going to do with it? So actually, as a Christian with Torah, you definitely have something in common with the Jewish people, as we, of course, do the Torah portions every week. Uh, they're not only educational, uh, they're not only instructional, but they are prophetic, everyone. How is God going to speak to us? I love that saying. I love sayings like, as I get older. Hey, we're all on the same page. So, you know, uh, it's interesting, too, uh, being raised Catholic in Catholicism, uh, anywhere you went in the world, as you heard the readings, uh, it would be the same. From the Vatican, right. every every mass would have the same readings. Well, yeah, they have so that book. If you're a Catholic that they use, in Mexico yeah. or Canada, you would all literally be on the same page. I wonder where they got yeah, that. Yeah, that's 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 curious. So yearly, we go through the first five books of the Bible. It's called the Torah portions, and it's incredible. So we're going to move on here. So think about the forty-two. Very interesting. Uh, little food for thought here as well. Uh, the congregation of Beit Tehillah is currently at its eighth location. So we started the living room. We had to rent a few places, uh, meet in some hotels and different things like that, uh, meet in the ballroom and all that. But here we are at our eighth spot, which is kind of cool. Eight means new beginnings. And uh, we threw out a little question out there for you to think about. We had it in our small groups on Monday night. How many places have you lived since your birth? Uh, wow. <clears throat> yeah. So I counted up and I came up with 13 total. Since you were born? <laughs> Since I was born. That's not too bad. It's not, you know, but I'll tell you what. So some of those places were when I was a kid, we had a, uh, a travel trailer. My dad worked for nuclear power plants and he would go um, to different places, you know, and we would live there for three months or so. And so, you know, like probably two or three of those places are me qualifying that. But <clears throat> other than that, I mean, from houses, um, we've lived, I've lived in, in, you know, probably 10 different homes. Wow. Think about it. Yeah. How many places have you lived since your birth? You know, we have to live somewhere, everyone. And, and, and as I ask this question, how many of you listening would love to live in Israel? If you had the chance, if you had the opportunity, if God said, hey, I want you to move to Israel, how many of you would take him up on it? Up, oh, I see that hand, Ryan. I see that hand, Pastor Nick. Definitely, you know, you got to live somewhere. So why not live in the land? Uh, you know, I've been I've been rethinking some things, and I want to throw this out to all of you about, you know, 
so many times we're like trying to avoid Israel or the Jewish people or the Temple Mount uh, because of this Antichrist and he's going to sit in the temple and all these other crazy far out things that that are in the Bible that would scare us. But I'm telling you, you know, uh, now that I'm rethinking eschatology and all of that, you know, there's the camp of the righteous and the camp of the wicked, you know. And so while we're here, we are to have dominion. We are to occupy. We are to to be the camp of the righteous, we're a light. You know, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those with the gospel. You know, they, they can't receive it. They're blinded. And so we're here to be a light, to be an example, to, to be his hands and his feet. And so, of course, while they camped out on the plains of Moab, uh, they were near the city of Jericho. Yeah, it's interesting that the PLO actually control, uh, I forget how you break down area A, B, or C, but uh, they have, um, I know Israel can still go in there. So area A is the Palestinian areas. Area, that would be Area B is the split area. So Nablus, which is Shechem, Shechem would yeah. be area A. Right. Okay. So Jericho would be area A. Isn't that amazing that Jericho is controlled well, here's by what, the Palestinians? It's interesting that you mentioned So then area B is kind of a, a split area, like a both type of thing. Right. And then area C is the Israeli controlled areas. With the IDF. And which, the... interesting, um, some of you guys may listen to Hayavel's podcast, but I've been listening because I get kind of some current events and stuff over there. Uh, but also Nadi Ram from Lev HaOlam. Both of them have been highlighting um, the fact that area C being the Israeli controlled areas, uh, the Palestinians have been building a lot in those areas. So everybody's like, oh, the the Jews are creeping on the the Palestinians' land and all this, but mm, actually, it's it's uh, it's kind of like a race to the finish line. I mean, the Palestinians are doing that, and and here's the the sad part about that: there's governments, right? We're talking the United States, Europe, that are donating money, giving aid, quote unquote, to these these folks, and instead of you know helping their people in Gaza and helping you know their people in, in building kind of economic prosperity they're just building empty houses misappropriated just to, just to do funds it. oh absolutely and oh, and it, their military right? you know give to what you believe in you know give to what you believe in so who were the children of Israel to drive out once they passed over the river jordan ryan the, all of the inhabitants of the land all of the inhabitants all of them of the we're going to so drive them all, all out they're all bad all of them What's part of all of the inhabitants of the land do you not understand? Wow, all the inhabitants. Of Who the land. is your daddy and what does he do? And, and here we are in the midst of a culture dealing with racism. Really, well, all they're not the racist. They're kicking them all out. That's equal opportunity. I'm just saying. <laughs> wow, you know they worshipped other gods. You know. Oh yeah. And so you know, birds of a feather flock together. You know, all the ites. All the ites. All the ites. You know, and so it says right here in Numbers thirty three fifty four, and you shall divide the land by lot. For an inheritance among your families. And to the more you shall give the more inheritance, and to the fewer you shall give the less inheritance. Every man's inheritance shall be in the place where his lot falleth. According to the tribes of your fathers, you shall inherit. So I was wondering, I was wondering about this, actually, because, um, you know, I was trying to figure out how do you cast lots and also give the more to the more, right? I mean, oh, that's a whole nother. Teaching in I'm talking from probably. a logistics standpoint. You know, well, remember, if you're a larger tribe, you're going to get more land. Correct, but let's say that, we're like, going to talk about that. Do you divide it all up first, and then you cast lots on who gets what? Because that wouldn't work if you know if Manasseh, being the largest tribe, needs more land and more space. You know, how do you cast a lot and divide it? Maybe you divide it up into a bunch of little pieces, and then you cast a lot to where they go, and then they get a bigger area, and you kind of go from there. We're going to uh, get it. We're going to still get into that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. To, let me throw this out to you guys. Um, you know, being a Christian since March of 92, 
reading the Bible, discovering things. You know, when I found out I was grafted in um, to the olive tree that represents Israel, Yeshua is the root. It's literally changed my life and the way I look at things now. But I want to throw this out at you. It's kind of interesting that uh, we have the sealing of the 12 tribes in the book of Revelation. 12 tribes are sealed. There's 144,000 of them. And of course, we should take that literally. But the thing is, it's interesting that they have a special assignment or whatever. You can go back and read that for yourself. But what I noticed was the tribe of Dan was not sealed. Not one of the tribes that are sealed. So there's a lot of speculation that the Antichrist will come from the tribe of Dan, all these other things, you know. But I will say that that when I discovered the future in Ezekiel, when I looked at Ezekiel, Dan is the first one to get a lot. When the lots are cast, Dan's the first tribe mentioned. So for some reason, he's not sealed in Revelation, but he does get an inheritance. And you guys can check it out for yourself. Even when it comes to Ezekiel's temple and the allotment, see, this is what most people don't understand. You know, uh, when they divide up the lots, it's to the tribes. Right. It's not going to be divided among the Gentiles or the French right. and well, or and England. I mean, literally, go back and look at it. It's those that are grafted in. He's going to give the inheritance. And I know that might sound controversial, but I'm telling you, that's what the Bible says. There's no room for the nations at that point. They're going to have to be coming to Jerusalem or coming from a distance. So I just want to throw that out to you as you study the scriptures, as God lays it out for us. Uh, I'm not making this up. I'm not being prejudiced or anything or biased. I'm telling you, it is a truth. You need to check it out for yourself. And so normally what they do is they pull out Joseph and they put in Ephraim and Manasseh, right? But in this case, they took out Dan and they plugged in Levi. Because Levi doesn't normally get an inheritance. Which is interesting. And they're not normally listed in that tribal inheritance list. Are you talking list. about where at? I'm talking about in uh, Revelation 7. Okay, remember now, there's the birth order of the tribes. There's how they brought their offerings. Oh, yeah. There's how they get their inheritance. For sure. There's the sealing of them in Revelation. There's also in Ezekiel, you would go to that listing. Well, that's what I mean. In you Ezekiel, know? you're looking at the listing of their inheritance. And so Dan is obviously listed as an inheritor of, of, of the promise right. of land. And Levi's left out because they are the priests. And so right. they're split up amongst all of the tribes. And, and I want to stress this. I'm not into, hey, I'm from this tribe or that tribe. You know, we have to look at it collectively. Oh, I as could a totally whole. see you as Zebulun. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, I'm Levi. Um, <laughs> Whatever. No, but what I'm saying is that there's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. There's Jews and non-Jews. So there's the natural branches and there's wild branches. So that's how we kind of identify with it. Wild Ephesians thing. 2 talks about the commonwealth of Israel. Uh, Romans goes into the grafting in process. So it's really quite that simple, you know. Uh, it's interesting that Ruth was grafted in uh, to, to the olive tree through Naomi, uh, through Judah. And so she was grafted in. She says, your God is my God. Where you go, I go. Where you die, I die. And so what's interesting is that we know that the, there was Moabite women and the, the Midianite elders uh, sending their most beautiful women, their daughters, and they seduced the men. And so here we have a contrast of Ruth, who was absorbed in to a Moabite uh, amount of women that were loose. So that's that's very interesting. Notice that they didn't have uh, good character in that in that sense. So here we go. Now we're moving on here. So they're going to divide up the land by lot. And of course, the three things the inhabitants are going to do to Israel if they do not drive them out of the land. So drive out all the inhabitants. If you don't do that, there's going to be pricks in your eyes. Thorns in your sides, and you're going to be vexed. So yeah. pricks in their eyes, thorns in their sides, and vex them. Uh, that's what's going to happen. You know, it's interesting. You can't throw out all the Arabs out of Israel. That wouldn't be feasible. That wouldn't be right. But isn't it interesting that because they allow certain groups of people, you've got 
Of course, Hezbollah to the north, Hamas to, to, the, to the west, PLO to the east, uh, Al-Qaeda, whatever. Well, I think, I think... ISIS to the south, the Sinai, I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying, Ryan, If we were to look at look, this... Look at the trouble that they're having. In, yeah. Incendiary balloons, oh, yeah. tunnels, stabbings. But, you know, if we're to look at this from the perspective of 1967, and what decision are we supposed to make in 1967, right? And so then remember... The Green they, Line. Right. Well, not even necessarily the Green Line, but they took all the way up to the Jordan River. They took um, all the way down through the Sinai Peninsula, and they had all of Gaza, right? So we're talking... What we would look at and we say, this is, you know, all of Israel. And they've given up more land than they've kept. And so people don't realize, like, when it comes to, it's funny, uh, was it David Greenblatt was making a speech the other day at the UN? And he was explaining, you know, when everybody talks about that Israel needs to give up something, don't forget they've already given up 80% of the land. They've already given all of the Sinai Peninsula, all of Gaza, right? I mean, we're talking they've already done all of these things. But what they should have done, based on the scripture, from a, just a decision standpoint, is they should have kept East Jerusalem, kept the Temple Mount, kept all of the quote-unquote West Bank, right, Judea and Samaria. They should have kept all of the land because it wasn't going to bring them peace to give it back, right? It didn't equal peace. We know that from hindsight. And they should have annexed all of it and made everybody under Israeli gov- the government's uh, rule. If they would have done that, Maybe they would have still had some issues, we but could, you could not say what they have if. today. Should have, oh, yeah. could have, would have. Oh, should have, could have, would have. But here's the thing, everyone. You know, there's a number of resources, and, and as Christians with Torah, there's an interesting thing to play out here. Like I said, think about it, those of you listening to this podcast. Rethink eschatology. You know, we think black helicopters, doom and gloom, and like the History Channel depicts Revelation like, oh, it's doom and gloom. No, your revelation is? It's Jesus revealed, oh, the yeah. Messiah revealed. That's right. So if he's already been revealed to you, that's the great story. That's right. It's Jesus revealed. You know, blessed are they that read this book and keep it. Oh, what a blessing. It's the it's only book that starts with a blessing like that. It does. So, Ryan, I've had to rethink my eschatology. You know, I'm looking at my eschatology from the scriptures like, hey, this is an opportunity. Instead of running from Israel, running from the Temple Mount, running from the Jewish people, what if we run to Jerusalem? We run to the Temple Mount. We run to the Jewish people. You know, think about it. The enemy's trying to keep us away from the prophecies. And, and once again, those 10 spies died because of a breach of promise. Those 10 spies, Ryan, affected 2 million people. That's right. So those of you listening, you have influence. People are watching you and they're listening to you. I'm telling you, they might pull away. They might think you're nuts. They might think something, but they're not going to forget what you said, especially when it comes to Israel and praying for the peace of Jerusalem and, and respecting Judaism, when you start sharing these things, they're going to look up to you. They're going to come to you. I really believe that God's going to use us in the last days to console the church, to help the church, to have discussions about, gosh, what are Christians are going to do now that this is coming upon us in the earth? We're going to have the answers. And so once again, uh, the three things that are going to happen, if, like I said, if you don't drive them out, pricks in their eyes, thorns in their sides, and vex them. Uh, it was brought to my attention that some of these Torah terrorists, you know, uh, they pack these these bombs full of, you know, bolts and screws Torah and nails. terrorists or just regular terrorists? Did I say Torah terrorists? You said terrorists? say Torah terrorists. Oh, gosh. I don't want to be a Torah terrorist either. But they do that with the Bible, the Torah terrorists. They, they do. They explode the scriptures Oh, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, but anyway, just, you know, the terrorists in general want to wreak havoc and, all, and mayhem and all that. And, and in the spirit realm, Torah terrorists do that too. That's absolutely So right. once again, think and about it. And they blow themselves up. Yeah, I mean, so... <laughs> to their own demise. <laughs> yeah, I know. To their own demise, yeah. 
So, you know, like I said, this is all this is all playing out. And so we have two people that were responsible for dividing the land among the tribes. Two people. Eliezer the priest and Joshua the son of Nun. So here we have Eliezer and Joshua. Now, why is that so interesting? Because he took over the leadership position. Joshua was an Ephraimite, everyone. Ephraim's got to get their act together. We got to be mature and we got to be responsible because this the lots are going to give out. The land's going to be given out. I mean, think about it, everybody. I've been to the land of Israel, been all over the land of Israel, different places geographically speaking. And I love the Galilee, the north of Galilee, Ooh. northeast. I love that area. It's so beautiful, so pleasant and rich. And so once again, you know, uh, my, my son had the opportunity last year and I missed two opportunities to go there because of unforeseen circumstances my own son how do you feel about that i don't want to talk about it my own son nehemiah got to stand up on joshua's altar the remains of joshua's altar yeah i mean that's that's pretty awesome that is incredible because you know joshua built you're kind of getting a little taste of what moses feels like he's standing up there on the (laughs) on the mountain what not nebo he's looking over you know that's all he got to see (laughs) i mean i mean think about it so they took a prince from every tribe to divide the land by inheritance. They took a prince from every tribe to divide the land by inheritance, Numbers 34, 18. So that is, of course, chapter 34. We're going to be going into uh, chapter 35, and then we have 36. So uh, we have, of course, the cities for the Levites. How many cities did the Levites get for their inheritance, Ryan? Uh, so there's 48. That's 42 cities uh, within each of the um, the tribes, and so more cities in the bigger tribes, less cities in the, the lesser tribes, from a size standpoint, and then six cities of refuge, making a total of 48. Very good. So we had six cities of refuge, and uh, the six cities of refuge were divided up with three cities on the east side of the Jordan, and three cities on the west side. And the purpose for the cities of refuge was to be a refuge for the children of Israel, strangers, and for the sojourners who kills anyone unaware. Okay. Now, the avenger could not kill the manslayer while they are living in a city of refuge. Now, here's the thing. The person who fled to a city of refuge had to stand before the congregation in judgment. Okay. So you had to be rendered your case, whether it was an accident or not, or premeditated, whatever. This particular city would decide the case, but you would have to stay within the city limits uh, because, once again, the avenger of that family is going to be looking to wreak and have revenge. Yeah, the avenger, right? I mean, they calls them, in the King James, it calls them the avenger. Yeah, and what's funny is that if you look at Gaal, the redeemer, to redeem, it means the avenger. Right. God's going to avenge us. Amen. Amen. And uh, so once again, if the person was found innocent whom the avenger pursued, uh, they had to wait and stay in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. Right. So even though they were found innocent, they had to wait for the death of the high priest. So now the avenger could kill the person if they went outside the borders of the city of refuge, even if they were innocent. Interesting. They had to wait until the death of the high priest. Yeah. They did, and um, you know that's that. There's that's pretty deep. I, although I will say that um, you know, certain things that you see when you see the way God puts this together, you don't really get the fullness of it until later, right? So, like, why the death of the high priest? Like, I mean, it's symbolic, like, yeah. It's almost like the uh, the Supreme Court justices, right? They're in the office until death, and and we were even talking about that. Like, imagine you're the high priest and you have these duties that are really important, but you're getting old, you know? I mean, like. 
what happens? Do you retire and pass it on at some point? I mean, or do you just drop dead one day? Does the Lord just fill no, you with the a spirit? That's I mean, a good, I'd like to look into that. That's yeah. a, that's a good study. You know, the uh, of course, you know, the, the manslayer uh, would would actually uh, after leaving the city of refuge, the manslayer after the death of the high priest, leaving the city of refuge, would return into the land of his possession. So what I see is, you know, going back to the brazen serpent, you know, it's interesting that it's alluding to the Messiah. Put this brazen serpent on a pole, lift it up, so people, when they look at it, and they got bit by the serpents, once again, which is a picture of Satan and demonic hosts and demonic influence, you'd be healed if you looked at it. Right. You know, and of course, the, the example is given to us in John that Yeshua was lifted up on a pole. And if you believe on him, you know, you didn't have to look at him, but you had to believe on him that he was lifted up. You shall be saved. Right. You shall be healed. So once again, it's, it's alluding to the Messiah. Uh, you know, it's interesting that when Yeshua died and, and gave his last breath, the temple veil was torn from the top to the bottom. So I would say that Yeshua is our high priest and he gives us our inheritance. You can find this in Hebrews chapter four, verses 14 through 16 Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 6, and of course, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 22, Yeshua is our high priest. He is. He is He's the mediator. So, you know, it's interesting that he is our mediator uh, between us and the Father. We always pray to the Father in the Son's name. You know, I love these verses, um, chapter 9, verses 11 through 22, because a lot of people have questions um, about, well... The Torah is not done away with, but then like, how do we apply it today? How does this stuff work out? Um, and, and I think one of the things that's important to understand is that Yeshua kept the Torah and he also was the fulfillment of a lot of things in the Torah. And by fulfillment, I don't necessarily mean like, hey, he fulfilled it and then it was done away with. That's like saying, hey, President Trump fulfilled the Constitution. Now the Constitution is done away with. It's just kind of a dumb statement. Fulfilled means to keep. Right. To do. But I want to read a couple things to you from 11 through 22 because I think it gives a, a good understanding of how, how he, you know, the, the new covenant kind of covers over the, the old covenant and they go together as one covenant. And so let's just read, uh, starting at verse 11, it says, But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. So in other words, this, the, the, he's from the tabernacle in heaven, right? Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, so those are things that purify your flesh, meaning today we live in flesh and blood. Heaven and earth are still here. So those things purify the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So you see this inheritance, right? So now if the, if the one way is to, to the inheritance here on earth through Yeshua, we receive the inheritance eternally for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator for a testament is of force 
after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator lives. Whereupon, neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry, and almost all things by the law purged with, are purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. And so we just see that Yeshua is keeping with this same thing, right? So if the spiritual and the natural parallel each other, right, then we're looking at one as a picture of the other. And vice versa, Yeshua is a picture of the tabernacle on our, it's the system of the tabernacle on earth, and then the tabernacle on earth is a picture of this tabernacle in heaven in the, in the system. You know, here's the thing, everyone. Our life should reflect a person. You know, so many times our, our, our reflection is not good. Oh, yeah. We're saying things, we're doing things, we're not treating people fairly, we're not giving people value or disrespecting and it's kind of like that's a poor reflection of yeshua so i think in reflection we should keep in mind the person you know so we can love because he first loved us you know uh we represent yeshua so like you know if i if i want to keep something or do something because i want to keep his commandments it's for me to keep it's not it's not for me to push on somebody else or to blast somebody else because I'm, i'm i'm of course what i'm reflecting that person you know, and to be rude, there's just no excuse for it, you know. Oh, really? You know, and this is what we're kind of hearing from the Orthodox Jews among, you know, among our circles is that, gosh, where's your love for one another? You know, I don't really see the love that you're supposed to have. Didn't Yeshua say to love one another as I've loved you? I mean, so that's kind of calling us out as Christians. So Christians with Torah should have love. I mean, think about it. Yeah. We, we should really have love. And, and, and care about the other person as much as we would care about anyone. Uh, so once again, you know, think about Yeshua is our high priest. This is kind of cool. When the high priest dies, you go get your possession. Just think about when Yeshua comes back, he's going to give out the inheritance, everyone. That's right. You know, people think they're going up. No, you're going, you're going to go, you're going to go horizontal. You're not going vertical. I mean, if he's coming down, nobody's going up. Yeah. He's coming down. Just think, there'll be those that'll be alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet him in the air. And that means the glory. You'll be in his glory. You'll be in his presence. So just imagine that, Ryan. I mean, imagine one day we're just doing a podcast and the Lord comes back. Oh, wouldn't that be cool? translates us to, to the land like that. Man. Forget LL Airlines. Forget your passport. Boom! You're there. I mean, think about it, everyone. So once again, uh, in Numbers 35, 30, could one witness testify and cause another to die? No. Now, why is God sharing all of this? Once again, it's like a repeat. You need two or three witnesses to resolve a matter. That's right. Uh, because he's 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 given instructions in regards to the land, the inheritance. You have to have a witness. Can I get a witness? You know, it's funny to this to this point. Um, I think it was uh, Casey Anderson who made the point when she came up um, to give her little you know two cents. That um, that we cannot have judgment cast upon us by one witness, and who is the one witness against us in heaven? The accuser. It's the accuser of the brethren. Oh, he comes day and night. That's right, night and day. But he's only one witness. I know. That's all he's got. He tries to build a case, and, but he, I mean, he ain't got nothing because he's one witness. Now, I'm just saying. Look, if you want to get off, I mean, like, I'll take the technicality. If that's what it takes. And, and, and listen, everyone. You know, I'm sitting here with my three big Legos in front of me. It says. One Lego says Bible, one Lego says land, one one Lego says pe- people. 
So think about this, everyone, you people. We have the people of the book. We have the book itself, and we have the land of the book. What? So, so think about all the things that are happening in regards to Ground Zero. Jerusalem is Ground Zero. Oh yeah. If it truly is the Garden of Eden, if it truly is a place where everything started there, it's going to end there. Everything's coming full circle. It's cyclical because that's the Hebrew mindset. It's cyclical. It's not linear. You know, it's 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 in, it's in cycles. So we have here in in of course Numbers thirty five thirty four. It's so important. Think about this, everyone. Now they're going to give out the land. They're going to divide it up, and here it goes. Uh, even those that have court cases are looking to get a possession. Look at this. Numbers thirty five thirty four. Defile not therefore the land which you shall inhabit, wherein I dwell. For I, the Lord, dwell among the children of Israel. Wow. This is where it gets really, really good. Defile not the land. In Leviticus 25, 23, it says, The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, for ye are strangers and sojourners with me. A few years ago, I was asked to come downtown Tampa for the National Day of Prayer, Ryan, some years ago. And I was really asking the Lord, Lord, what should I pray for? So I said a prayer. And the one thing that stood out to me the most was the Lord wanted me to read that verse and pray over the land of Israel, that it belongs to the Lord. It belongs to no man. And he will do with it what he wants and to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So The Lord wills. The Lord wills. (laughs) It was so amazing when you think about it you know yeah right now you know the land of israel is an important piece of real estate it's very important you know so we've done uh numbers of course chapters um what 33 34 35 right oh yeah and uh now we're going to get into let's look at numbers 36 uh, verses one through seven. Uh, we're not going to read. For you the, you the, have it titled "Instructions on Inheritance." My Bible says "Special Problems of Inheritance in Canaan." Well, here's the thing: Instructions oh. on Inheritance. We're going to talk about this because oh, yeah. you know there's always questions when it comes to real estate. <laughs> what do they say? Location, location, location. location. What about the variance? You now, know? Here, here's 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 <laughs> the question that we're coming out with right out of the gate. Here, we're not going to read it for the sake of time, but we're going to go over the uh, the plot thickens here. But it's it's pretty interesting, and I love it. I love it. Were the chief fathers from the tribe of Manasseh concerned that the daughters of Zelophehad might marry to another tribe and thus diminish their inheritance? Numbers 36, verses 1 through 4. Once again, the five daughters of Zelophehad, remember they already approached Moses, the situation, there were no sons. They're from the tribe of Manasseh. And so they were like, hey, we want an inheritance. And And it was granted. And and it was granted. You can have an inheritance. Now, with that said, word started to get out, and of course, we have the chief fathers from the tribe of Manasseh here. All the males are rising up, and they're coming there saying, hey, you know, um, this this could hurt us. And and we have to ask the question, how are the daughters of Zelophehad or Manasseh going to hurt the tribe of Manasseh? It's if they marry outside their tribe. Remember, it's according to Lot. It's according to how size your your, your tribe is. You know, so like, you know, we've got a family of nine. We'd get a nice little piece of property, Ryan. But if you're single, your place will be smaller. 
So you they might even have to live on your property. How many acres do you have? <laughs> I have seven acres. Ryan has seven acres. How many is in your family, counting your mother-in-law? Uh, seven. He's got seven. So That's his, an acre per person. His property's a little bigger. Yeah. So here's the thing. So what answer did the Lord give in regard to the chief fathers from the tribe of Manasseh's personal inheritance? So here was the beef. Here was the gripe. Okay. Now the daughters of Zelophehad had to marry within their tribe of Manasseh. They had to marry within their own tribe. Yeah. It's, it's like that saying, keep it in the family. I don't, I don't know if that's such a good thing. Well, I mean, in this example, you, you don't want to be giving your inheritance out and marrying into other tribes. It becomes diluted. Right. Convoluted. Yeah. You know, there's there's power in numbers. Well, there numbers is. Numbers don't and, lie. And, you know, in, in this culture, right, so our culture is a little bit different. Um, not that it should be different, right? It should be the same, but... Uh, Normally, a woman, in order to receive an inheritance of any kind, was dependent on her husband and whatever inheritance he received or had or whatever. Um, whereas the males, their inheritance um, was was their inheritance from their father, so and their father's father, and so on and so forth. And so the, the inheritance was passed down through the males, and then the the women received inheritance through their husband. Now. If these women who were able to take the inheritance of their father were to take it outside of Manasseh, now they marry somebody from Judah or Ephraim or somebody else, guess what? Now this, this moves over to somebody else. And that's what the, the, the tribal leaders in Manasseh were trying to avoid. They wanted the, the inheritance of Manasseh to stay in Manasseh. And so Five dollars of Zloph had had zeal. Amen. They did. Um, it's not about trying to figure it out, everyone. Now, now, right now, we can't live in Israel. They won't have us. We'll have to get visas. But what I'm, what I'm saying is I'm throwing this out to those of you that are listening to this podcast. If you say, hey, I'm into my Hebrew roots. Oh, you are? Really? Well, you better be going to Israel. You better be making trips to Israel. You better be figuring it out because it's coming down the line, folks. And this is what's so cool. And you know what? It's just like that generation that said, oh, we can't go into the land for our wives and our children will be a prey. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, it's the same thing, Ryan. Yeah. People would say to us, aren't you afraid to go to Israel? Why would you want to live there? There's there's terrorism and, and even tour terrorists. You know where I'm afraid to go? Baltimore. <laughs> don't even go there. <laughs> don't. I'll go to Israel. I just don't want to go to Baltimore. What I'm saying, Ryan, <laughs> is that this is a topic of discussion. How many of you that not everybody wants to go to Israel? That, well, How many of you that not everybody's an Israelite? How many of you know that not everybody's grafted in? You know, we this are, podcast is for an awakening, but it's to encourage those that are listening to rethink your life. That's the sin of the spies. It's a divine assurance of good. And this is the three weeks of affliction. Don't be doing the sin of the spies right now. I'm telling That's you right I'm now, saying. so think about it. So hats off to the, to the tribe of Manasseh. So now we have a legal precedent that's set, right? So mm-hmm. we're watching case law create laws, right? I mean, we're watching it happen. So a legal precedent is set. That the, the tribe, uh, the tribal inheritance can't leave the tribe, and so it says right here in verse thirty-six or chapter thirty-six, verse seven. So shall not the inheritance of the children of Israel remove from tribe to tribe, for every one of the children of Israel shall keep himself to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. So you can't, wow. they can't take the, it can't, it has to stay in. It's if you want. So if you want to go across the railroad tracks and marry. You know, somebody else, guess what? You're going to have to leave your inheritance behind. I hope it's worth it. That's all I'm saying. That's awesome. We're closing it out here. So, so of course, uh, in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho is where they received the commandments and the judgments. That's where they were given. Yeah. In the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho. So, Ryan, as we reflect on this book of Numbers, uh, as we close it out here, uh, and I'll do the blessing at the very end, but uh, as we as we close this out, what, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion 
Messiah journeys, uh, Numbers chapter 33, verse 1 through chapter 36 and verse 13. What two lessons can be learned from your group? So uh, the first one uh, was to know your identity so that you will know your inheritance. Uh, it's very important to know who you are in Messiah. It's very important to understand you're the seed of Abraham, right? You're an heir according to the promise. Whatever Yeshua's inheritance is, you have a part in his inheritance. And let's just say he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I mean, Yeshua is Yahweh. Yahweh is Yeshua. You are part of it. And so uh, to to a lot of people don't understand. They over-spiritualize and they don't get that you have an actual inheritance. So know your identity so you know what your inheritance is. And then that begs the question, what are you willing to do to get what God has for you? Are you willing to... What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to give up? Because once you give up something, it's a divine assurance of good. Right. Epigelia. Well, why hang on to something that God doesn't have for you? You know what I mean? Why would you want to hold... If it's going to keep you from what God does have from you, or has for you. Well, you know, Ryan, this is funny, you know, because we all say as Christians, hey, when I die, I'm going to heaven. That's all well and good, but here's the thing. I'm 52 years old, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, what is the inheritance? What is it about? What do I get? You know, and, and we're closing this thing out, but think about it. Abraham was promised land. The very first thing he was promised was land. Every Christian that's grafted into the olive tree, Ryan, listen to me closely. Every Christian that's grafted in that knows that should have some kind of reflection for Israel. The land of Israel, the Jewish, you should have something that's, that's, that's really, you yeah. know, here's what I got. Here's my two lessons that I got. Here's my two little quotes. Number one, it's not about the destination, but the journey. Think of your... Ooh, yeah. Life is a book. It's a new chapter. And this is journeys, right? I mean, yeah, this is- it's not about the destination, but the journey. Remember, don't stop believing. Don't stop The number one song. Imagine that. The number one song ever played by Hold Journey. Hold on to that feeling. That's it, man. So how about this one? Are you ready for this one? All right, here we go, everybody. Think about this one. Everything started in the land of Israel, and it will finish in the land of Israel. Are you sure about that? Everything's being uncovered now, Ryan. We think that the Garden of Eden is in Mesopotamia, which is Iraq or all these other... No, no, no. Let me tell you something. I firmly believe the Garden of Eden is Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is the Garden of Eden. Oh, yeah. And you can build your case on that. Yep. Uh, once again, theory. But, you know, there's start, some good, start studying for yourself. There's some good books on that. So we have a uh, little blessing that we do as we finish up the book of Numbers. It is, of course, Hazak, Hazak, Venish Hazik. Be strong, be strong, and may we be strengthened. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Man, so that's it. We just ended the book of Numbers. Congratulations. Um, Pastor Dick and I were talking about maybe doing a podcast just on the book of Numbers, and we're going to call it What Not to Do by God and Moses, right? I mean, because that's that's a lot of what the, the book of Numbers is about. Um, as always, man, I'll tell you what, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, it brings us so much encouragement to hear from you guys. If you want to reach out to me, you can get me at ryan at twopraise.net. Don't forget to leave us reviews and likes and share us on your social media platforms. Uh, I will say that you guys have been doing a great job of that. Keep doing it. Um, the listening listeners have spiked. Um, we've even got people from Germany. So if you're in Germany, send me an email, ryan at twopraise.net. We want to hear from you. Uh, I see that you guys are listening to the podcast and we love it, man. We just can't get enough of it. We just appreciate you guys so much. And so, uh, 
Uh, if you guys, like I said, need to reach out to me, it's Ryan at Chapraise.net. You can live stream our services uh, every Shabbat uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that is at Chapraise.net or any of our social media platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Periscope. I think we do all of them. Uh, and then if you need anything from the office, you can call us at 813-654-2222. And uh, that's it. We love you. Bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you.